It's time, D-Heads. Disney Blue presents Disney On Demand. Every week, Disney Blue lets you relive the magic, the movies, and the memories with celebrity guests, the best of classic Disney, and breaking news on Disney's latest. So put on your ears and give it a little bibbidi-bobbidi-boo. Disney Blue's Disney On Demand is on the air! Now, here's your host, Jonathan Johnson. All right, all of you D-heads, you tuned in for another magical installment of Disney Blues, Disney On Demand. And as we continue our trek into summer that we officially kicked off last week, this week for show number 77, for the week of June 19th, 2014, we are going back to your memories. Yes, all the way back to the 80s and 90s. And you may remember just running in, turning on the Disney Channel, and enjoying great shows like Kids Incorporated, and also fantastic cult favorite movies like Monster Squad. And with us here this week, stopping in and sharing all these great memories, and what is he doing now? We have none other than Ryan Lambert stopping in here at the show. That's right, Ryan Lambert, who kicked off from Season 2 of Kids Incorporated and went on for a variety of different seasons. He was also in Monster Squad, in a variety of different bands, and more is going to be stopping in here at the show. Yes, many of you girls out there, you had, you know, just heartthrobs for this man. And Ryan's going to stop in and share some great stories from the set, his favorite moments, what he's doing now, and all kinds of fun as we take you back to those early days of the Disney Channel, movies, magic, and more. In addition, we have a light team here this week. Yes, summer is here, as we officially kicked off last week here at the show. So much of the D-team is on vacation, moving, doing a variety of different things. But fear not, we do have some staples here, as we have Aaron stopping in, answering all of your questions with I Want to Know. You have questions, he has answers, and he's going to dip his hand in that virtual mailbag and answer all those questions for you. And let's not forget our D-team member from Down Under, as we have Lexi stopping in with this week's Hollywood Walk, giving you a little bit more about our very special guest here this week, Ryan Lambert. We have all kinds of fun, news out off the D-wire, and all kinds of magic that you come to expect, with great snippets, tunes, guests, and more. So let's officially kick off show number 77 for the week of June 19th, 2014. How fitting? By turning on the Disney Channel. Be right back, all the D-heads. Envelope to Davis and Kirk. Right down that. All Kids Incorporated will move to a new time. That's totally awesome. Monday through Thursday at 5 p.m. Eastern and Pacific. We've got good news. There are new episodes and two new stars on Monday. 
And the action continues through Thursday at 5 p.m. Eastern and Pacific. Don't miss Kids Incorporated at its new time here on the Disney Channel. We will face the portrait of the beloved founder of our society, Euripides Mouse. Delegates, hands over hearts. the sky you mean everything to me in a jam in a scrape and you think no escape courageous are we r-e-s-c-u-e rescue aid society heads held high touch the sky our hearts we pledge to thee Hey guys, this is Ryan Lambert from Monster Squad and Kids Incorporated, and you're listening to Disney On Demand. Hey D-Heads, you're listening to Disney On Demand. Wow, it's dark in here. Wow, and now it's too bright. Taking you on those magical journeys from your lifetime of Disney. Kari, Kari McKean. It's like Carrie only with a K instead of a C and an A instead of an E and only one R and an I instead of an I. It's Disney On Demand. Well, it started out like any normal sitting gig. You know, with the reassuring of the parent and all. Here's your host, Jonathan Johnson. I just wish I could forget the whole thing. You will, kid. You will. All right, all of you D-heads, so I hope you enjoyed the official kickoff for show number 77 for the week of June 19th, 2014, as we're flipping through the channels, hitting up the Disney Channel and those movie classics as we gear up for our special guest here this week, Ryan Lambert. From Kids Incorporated, actor, writer, and more, also star of the Monster Squad and Great Things is going to be stopping in here at the show. So all of you D-heads, we're going to jump right into news hot off the D-wire here this week, but before I do that, I do want to give you all the different ways you can stay connected here at the show. Show. And remember, first and foremost, you can always visit our official website at dizradio.com. That's D-I-Z-Radio.com. There you can find our full list of past shows, the complete archives, latest news blogs, connect up with the D-Team, and more right there on our website at dizradio.com. D-I-Z-Radio.com. You can connect up with us all over the social media outlets on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Disney On Demand. You can friend us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Disney Blue, and that's B-L-U. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and more. Just search Diz Radio, D-I-Z Radio, or Disney Blue, B-L-U. And remember, you can always subscribe to our show in iTunes and Stitcher Radio. Just search Diz Radio. So all of you D-heads, with that said, I'm going to just jump right into news hot off the D-wire here this week, and news is very light. I mean, besides the crew taking off for summer, let's just say, 
News is very light as well, but let's jump right into it. And how about Philip Phillips and the Muppets joining the cast of a PBS, a Capital Fourth? Yes, America's National Independence Day celebration live from the U.S. Capitol. Joining the all-star lineup of the 34th annual broadcast of a Capital Fourth. Live from the West Lawn of the U.S. Capitol is going to be platinum recording artist-songwriter Philip Phillips, as well as the world-famous Muppets. Yes, Phillips will perform his hit single, Raging Fire, from his sophomore album, Behind the Light, that debuted on the Billboard to Hot 100 this last March. Now, also, they're also going to have a special treat, as the entire family has Kermit the Frog and Miss Piggy, stars of the recent release of Muppets Most Wanted, will be on hand to celebrate America's 238th birthday and performing the Oscar-nominated song Rainbow Connection along with the National Symphony Orchestra. Now I am excited for this because come on the Muppets in the limelight Rainbow Connection it doesn't get better than that. Kermit the Frog, Miss Piggy and the Muppets are the stars of the latest motion picture Muppets Most Wanted and let's just say I am excited to have Rainbow Connection continuing to please for generations to come. Now, since we are talking about music and things like that, let's get to Walt Disney Records releasing Aladdin, the original Broadway cast recording, featuring all kinds of exclusive bonus content. Yes, currently available digitally is the Aladdin original Broadway cast recording, and now it was set for physical release this last week on June 17th. Now, the cast recording was produced by Alan Menken, Michael Kensworth, Frank Filippetti, Chris Montan, and executive produced by Kurt Duitz. Now, Aladdin stars Adam Jacobs as Aladdin, Courtney Reed as Jasmine, Jonathan Freeman as Jafar, and the recent Tony Award winner, James Monroe, as Genie. And they will be signing CDs this Friday, June 20th, from 3 to 4.30 p.m., in New York for the release. Now, Disney's Aladdin, the Tony Award-winning new musical based on the Academy Award-winning film, is open to critical acclaim on March 20th this last year. Now, Broadway's New Amsterdam Theater is home to this, and it has received 24 major theatrical award nominations, and USA Today raved it is pure genius, as Adam delivered a rush that will surprise you. Now, this is fantastic, and the Aladdin original Broadway cast recording will be available in physical format, and it's gonna have a variety of different things from all the tracks, special features, bonus content, uh, deleted songs, extended songs, and more. And if you want to find out more about this, you can visit AladdinTheMusical.com. Now, since we are talking about things that are on the horizon and, you know, different and uh, things that sometimes get lost, let's just say that. How about the top 10 underrated Disney movies of the 1990s? Now, I know you're waiting for me to drum roll this and give you the list. Well, you're going to have to go to our website to read it because it is a Diz Radio website list that we have right there. So if you go to our website at DizRadio.com, definitely check it out. The top 10 underrated Disney movies of the 1990s. Let's see if you agree with the number one choice, which also was released in theaters this week back in its historic date. Now let's go back to the small screen here and Girl Meets World. Now everybody loves the Disney Channel. We all love Boy Meets World and we've talked about this a variety of different times on here as everybody is excited for the show to debut. Well how about Girl Meets World news as Ryder Strong is confirmed for two episodes of the Disney Channel spinoff. That is right. While Strong's involvement has been rumored for quite some time, it was confirmed this last Wednesday that Ryder Strong will appear in two episodes of Girl Meets World. A holiday episode and another episode for which the storyline has yet to be disclosed. Now, cast members have assured audiences that the friendship will harken back to the days of Corey and Sean's days as kids in Mr. Feeney's classroom. Now, Strong has spoken of how they had to curl his hair to get it to 
look as it did back in the Boy Meets World days. And the actor no longer sports the long hair, but could a style be making a comeback? We're not sure. But the talk has been said that Sean will do some bonding with Maya, played by Sabrina Carpenter, the best friend of Cory and Topanga's daughter, Riley. Now Maya is going through some same conflicts at home that Sean did early on in Boy Meets World. Now they're going to have a variety of different things as they bond over this and Girl Meets World does premiere on the Disney Channel June 27th. Now since we are talking about the Disney Channel, how about a first look of Kristen Chenoweth as Maleficent? That is right, everybody is excited for the Disney Channel original movie Descendants. Now who didn't love to hate Maleficent? Now Kenny Ortega, who we all know is behind the high school musical franchise, is directing the Disney Channel original movie the Descendants. Now Disney's iconic characters are living out their happy endings in Oridon, a present-day idealistic kingdom. Now all defeated villains have been exiled to the Isle of the Lost, a remote island where they must spend their remaining days isolated from modern-day luxuries. As time passes, the teenage son of Beast and Belle is poised to take the throne. Her first proclamation offer a chance at redemption. Now this has gotten a lot of hype, I'm not going to go too much on about it, but it will have a variety of different characters that we have talked about previous weeks here on the show but now you can also see Kristen Chenoweth as her first look as Maleficent and earlier this week through D23 you could also see the cast of the young villains offspring now moving from the small screen and getting into the big screen here how about a new poster for Disney Pixar short lava and also inside out gets an official synopsis for all of you waiting for the next Pixar film. Yes, Pixar Animation Studios has a lot in store for moviegoers and animation enthusiasts during the summer of 2015. The studio has released the official title, treatment, and synopsis for the upcoming animated feature, Inside Out, as well as the first poster of its new animated short film, Lava. Now, Disney Pixar gave LA journalists an early sneak peek this week, and by all accounts, the footage shown, as they have said, was brilliant and stunning. Now inspired by the isolated beauty and tropical islands and explosive allure of ocean volcanoes, Lava is a musical love story that takes place over millions of years. From director James Ford Murphy and producer Andrea Warren, Lava opens up in theaters in front of Inside Out. Now, with Inside Out, that is something completely different. Disney Pixar's original movie, Inside Out, is gonna take us on the most extraordinary location of all, inside of the mind. Co-directed by Ronnie Del Carmen and produced by Jonas Rivera, growing up can be a bumpy road, as they put it, and it's no exception for Riley, who is uprooted from her Midwest life when her father starts a new job in San Francisco. Like all of us, Riley is guided by her emotions. Joy, played by Amy Poehler, Fear by Bill Hader, Anger, by Lewis Black, Disgust by Minnie Kaling, and Sadness by Phyllis Smith. Now the emotions live in the headquarters, the control central inside of Riley's mind, where they help her advise through everyday life. Now as Riley and her emotions struggle to adjust to a new life in San Francisco, turmoil ensues in the headquarters. Although Joy, Riley's main and most important emotion, tries to keep things positive, the emotions conflict on how to best navigate through the city, house, and school end up making it difficult. Now this is going to be fantastic, brand new on the horizon, and Inside Out is opening in theaters June 19th, 2015, followed by the all-new The Good Dinosaur, November 25th, 2015, as well. So all of you D-heads, keeping news short, like I said, there is not a lot of news going on right now. I mean, you know, it's just one of those off weeks, it was bound to happen, right? We always have shows that are chock full, tons of things on the horizon, many things uh, on board, and so many different things, but 
news is just slightly light here this week. So all of you D-heads, I'm going to take a break here and, uh, you know, I'll come back. I have something special in store for you and I also have more news on the horizon. So I'm going to release the reins to Aaron as you have questions and he has answers. And he's going to answer all those questions with I want to know. And he's going to be stopping in here very shortly as we gear up for our special guest. Ryan Lambert from Kids Incorporated, Monster Squad, actor, writer, singer, and more is going to be stopping in here at the show. So all of you D-heads, with that said, I'm going to take a break, release the reins to the D-team, and uh, you know what? I'll be back. Party people! <laughs> squeaky clean music with full effect. That's me, Mickey, the Mouse Supreme, MC and the birthday party of my main duck, Donald. And we gonna do it something like this Donald Duck, back again Turn up the music, let's begin Party on party, people let me hear some noise Party with Donald, Daisy and the boys There's a party over here, a party over there Tossing Donald up in the air Now trying to catch him, he falls down Whoop, there he went, hit ground Side out, Donald's on the floor, flipping Daisy about. Turn to the left, twist to the right, moving, grooving, out of sight. Donald does steps from the old school. He's no fool, he's so cool. He's doing a dip, but Daisy slipped. Whoop, there she went. Hip round. Whoop, there she went. Come on, y'all. Whoop, there she went. A little louder. Whoop, there she went. Come on, y'all. Whoop, there she went. Louder. Whoop, there she went. Come on, y'all. Whoop, there she went. A little louder. Whoop, there she went. Whoop, there she went. We were dancing, talking, singing. Donald said, hey, let's go swimming. What a duck. Uh-oh, he's sinking. Let's find a rope. Pull him in. Now grip it. Hold it. Yank it and pry that T-W-I-N-E. Oh, my. Oh, that's it. Just one more stroke. Whoop. There it went. It broke. Daisy all day to bite. Who will bring it in? Goofy will, but he tripped on his feet and he took a spill. Out of his hands, the whole cake flew. Whoop, there it went. Goofy too.
On the next Kids Incorporated, the band has to build a float for the Civic Pride Parade. Ha! What is that? It's my float! Hi, guys! Well, do you like it? Am I hot? Or am I not? Don't miss the next Kids Incorporated. Buy kids for kids of all ages. We're Kids Incorporated. Hey everybody, this is Lee Ehrenberg, Grumpy, from ABC's Once Upon a Time, and you're listening to Disney On Demand. questions we have answers let's dip our hands into the virtual mailbag and uncover the truth in i want to know hey d heads it's aaron and i'm back with another installment of i want to know hope everyone's enjoying the start of their summer vacation boy it definitely feels like summer here in arkansas well you d heads have been busy submitting questions so the virtual mailbag is busting at the seams so let's reach in and see what questions we have for this week 
Well, our first question comes from Kelly Fields from Indiana, and she writes, Aaron, great show. I love Disney live-action films from my childhood. I had some questions about Man of the House. I know it was very popular with Jonathan Taylor Thomas in it and Chevy Chase. My question is, was Chevy in any other Disney films or television specials? What is Jonathan Taylor Thomas doing now? Well, Chevy Chase is one of my favorite actors, mainly for his role as Clark Griswold. Christmas Vacation is one of my all-time favorite movies. But getting back to the Disney side of things, Man of the House is a 1995 comedy starring Chevy Chase as Jack Sturgis, Farrah Fawcett as Sandy Archer, and Jonathan Taylor Thomas as Ben Archer. Marking Thomas's motion picture debut, this Disney comedy is about a boy who must come to terms with a potential stepfather, a well-meaning lawyer who is unknowingly the subject of a manhunt by relatives of a man he helped put in prison. I've always liked this movie because, just like in the film, I was in the YMCA Indian Guides as a kid. It's a great father-son program. My dad and I were Big Eagle and Little Eagle. You take Indian names in this program, and Ben gives Jack the name Squatting Dog. And Ben uses this program and other things to try to embarrass Jack into leaving his family. But along the way, they become close. It's a great movie to watch with your son. This is Chevy Chase's only Disney movie, though. And as far as Jonathan Taylor Thomas, I will always remember him as the voice of Simba from The Lion King. But his latest work has been on ABC, Last Man Standing, playing John Baker, and playing alongside fellow Disney alum and home improvement alum, Tim Allen. It's a great show that the family and I never miss. Well, our next question comes from Shelly Crane of Minnesota, and she writes, Diz Radio's Aaron, I have a question about Phantasmic. I love the Hollywood studio show, but I heard the soundtracks are different for Disneyland. I also heard that Disneyland's version is supposedly better. Thoughts and answers. Well, Phantasmic was originally going to be called Imagination, but Disney could not register that title as a trademark, so they changed it to Phantasmic. The attraction was designed to run for five years only, but due to continuing positive crowd response at both parks, it still runs today. It's hard to say that the Disneyland version is better, though it's fairly, very similar. I think that the different venues really make it very different experiences. But the Dragon at Disneyland is newer and more advanced, and I think it makes it maybe just a little bit better. It's really just a matter of opinion. The soundtracks are very, very similar, but there are differences because each show has different movie and character scenes, so the music corresponds to that movie or characters. The Hollywood Studios version runs 27 minutes, whereas the Disneyland version runs 22 minutes, so of course the soundtrack's going to be a little bit different. Well, our final question this week is from Tom Shannon of Seattle, Washington, and he writes, Love the podcast, D-Team. Aaron, I recently discovered a Disney classic in So Dear to My Heart. I absolutely love Burl Ives. Also, were the children in this film the same ones from Song of the South? My other questions are, what is this... What is the story behind the making of this film, and any stories of the crew? Well, So Dear to My Heart was released in 1949. Like 1946, Song of the South, the film combines animation and live action. The film is set in Indiana in 1903. It tells the story of Jeremiah Kincaid, played by Bobby Driscoll, and his determination to raise a black wool lamb 
that has been rejected by its mother. Jeremiah names the lamb Danny for the famed racehorse Dan Patch. Jeremiah's dream of showing Danny at the Pike County Fair must overcome the objections of his loving but tough grandmother Granny. Jeremiah's confident Uncle Hiram, played by Burl Ives, is the boy's steady ally. Inspired by the animated figures and stories, the boy perseveres. Well, you're correct, Tom. These are the same kids as from Song of the South. Original plans were to make this film all live action. Walt said the film reminded him of growing up with his brother on the farm in Missouri. The barn from the movie was recreated in Walt's backyard and provided him endless hours of pleasure. The railroad station from the film ended up in the backyard of animator Ward Kimball. Years later, Walt decided that the depot would be perfect for the railroad stop in Frontierland in the new Disneyland theme park he was building and it would save some money to have Kimball simply return the train station. Kimball refused and finally revealed how he had to completely rebuild the building. But Walt ordered the station built in Frontierland according to the same blueprints, but with the addition of double doors, covered loading platform on both ends, and a separate freight office. This film also gave Burl Ives his first hit single with Lavender Blue. This is definitely a great Disney classic. Well, D-Heads, that concludes another installment of I Want to Know. Thanks for those great questions and keep them coming. Send all your questions or comments to Aaron, E-R-I-N, at DizRadio.com. Make sure to include your name and city so I can give you credit. And remember, D-Heads, laughter is timeless, imagination has no age, and dreams are forever. We'll see you next week, D-Heads. Coming soon to video cassette. After his mom started dating... Can't resist a pretty girl. You know what I mean? I'm 11. I hate girls. Ben had to show who was really man of the house. Excuse me. I mean, he's so uncool. Did you know he actually irons his jeans? Morning, Ben. My advice to you is to get rid of this guy. Yeah, but how do I do that? The Indian guides. This Indian guide thing could be the solution to my problem. Hey, how are you, Jack? Fine, thanks. How are you? Picking Indian names for each other is one of the most important Indian guide rituals. How about squatting dog? Sure they're the same height. The San Francisco Chronicle says it's loads of laughs and tons of fun. Yeah! Well, it doesn't get much better than this. It's the story of a father-to-be and the son who doesn't want him to be. Chevy Chase, Farrah Fawcett, George Wendt, and Home Improvement's Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Man of the House, rated PG. Squatting though? That's the best you could come up with? I had a squirrel named Numbnuts. Hey, D-Heads, you're listening to Disney On Demand, a new kind of Disney show, only on DizRadio.com, D-I-Z Radio.com. Lavender blue, dilly dilly, lavender green, if I were king, dilly.
I'd need a queen Who told me so dilly dilly, Who told me so I told myself Dilly dilly I told me so If your dilly dilly heart Feels a dilly dilly way And if you answer yes In a pretty little church On a dilly dilly day You'll be wed in a dilly dilly dress of lavender blue, dilly dilly, lavender green. Then I'll be king, dilly dilly, and you'll be my queen. Great grandfather met great grandmother when she was a shy young miss. And great-grandfather won great-grandmother With words more or less like this Lavender blue, dilly-dilly, lavender green If you were king, dilly-dilly, you'd need a queen Who told you so, dilly-dilly, who told you so I told myself, dilly dilly, I told me so. If your dilly dilly heart feels a dilly dilly way, and if you answer yes, in a pretty little church on a dilly dilly day, you'll be wed in a dilly dilly dress of lavender blue, dilly dilly, lavender green. Then I'll be king, dilly dilly, and you'll be my queen. All right, D-Heads, well, I am stopping in right here in between news. We have a lot of great things on the horizon. You know, Aaron already stopped in with I Want to Know, but I'm going to stop in with a new segment. Now, this is in the early raw stages here. We have no intro for it. There's no format. Uh, You know, honestly, I might not even be the one hosting this, but I am going to stop in right now for a quick five-minute rundown of what's going on this week in Disney history. Now, many people realize all the different things going on within the Disney company. It's a huge company, and there's always the staples. You know, when was Tarzan released, and many things like that. But what about some of the other ones that are a little less known? So I'm going to give you a quick two to three minute rundown of what's happening this week in Disney history. And this week, kicking off all week long, we have a variety of different things that happened this week. In 1934, the Mickey Mouse short Mickey Steamroller, which was directed by David Hand, is released. Now shifting gears into 1955, how about Disney's 15th animated feature film, Lady and the Tramp had its world premiere in Chicago. It is the first Disney animated feature filmed in CinemaScope, a widescreen film process, and it will generally be released six days later. Now, Disney also released the third People and Places film in Switzerland. Now, also, in 1956, here's one that all of you Disneyland fans will love, and how about Disneyland debuting Tom Sawyer Island and the rafts to Tom Sawyer Island in Frontierland. The film 3D Jamboree at the Mickey Mouse Club Theater and the Storybook Land Canal Boats attraction in Fantasyland all opened in 1956. Now moving forward to 1959, how about Disney's Eyes in Outer Space? A fantastic short directed by the one and only Ward Kimball was released in theaters. Now going to 1966, moving right along here into the later days of Walt Disney and the Man, how about legendary comedian and actor 
Edwin. Yes, we all know him as he appeared in such Disney live-action classics as Mary Poppins. Those Calloways, Son of Flubber, That Darn Cat, and many others passed away at the age of 79 in Beverly Hills, California. In 1969, how about something that got re-released for the third time in theaters because it was so lovable and popular? And in 1969, this week, Disney re-released for the third time its 1953 classic, Peter Pan, one of my son's absolute favorites. And how about the Main Street Electrical Parade? Now I'm torn, do I love the Electrical Parade more than I love Spectro Magic? Not sure, but we all know the Main Street Electrical Parade is the absolute original. And in 1972, it officially kicked off in Disneyland for the very first time. In 1984, let's go back to another 3D film with Magic Journeys. Yes, Magic Journeys began its two-year run in Disneyland's Tomorrowland. It was the first 3D movie created by Walt Disney Imagineering for the Disney theme park. And it first opened at Epcot in 1982. And it featured the song, Making Memories. Now, since we have a special guest here from the 80s with Ryan Lambert and Kids Incorporated, let's do a little bit of things from the 80s that you may remember. Tug at some of you uh, D-heads who are in my age bracket here. And how about 1987 with Walt Disney Pictures releasing Benji the Hunted in theaters. And how about the Disney Channel premiering the film Not Quite Human? Yes, featuring Alan Thicke, Robin Lively, and Jay Underwood debuting on the Disney Channel. In 1988, here is one that surely will be missed because uh, let's just say Storybook Circus is there now. But Mickey's Birthday Land officially opened at the Magic Kingdom at Walt Disney World with a special ribbon-cutting ceremony with actress Cindy Williams from the 1970s sitcom Laverne and Shirley and First Lady Nancy Reagan. It later on closed after the birthday celebration and opened up as Mickey's Starland, and then later on as Toontown that we all know and love, which now is Storybook Circus. In 1995, the first wedding was ever performed at Walt Disney World's Wedding Pavilion at the Grand Floridian Resort. And then also in 1995, here's one that I have a replica of in my living room. The bronze statue of Walt Disney and Mickey Mouse, called the Partner Statue, was installed at the Magic Kingdom at Walt Disney World, emulating the 1993 erection that happened at Disneyland. And finally, because I don't want to give you too many different things, how about 1999 and Disney Quest, opening in Chicago, Illinois. It later closed in 2001 because of poor sales. So all of you D-heads, there's a lot more things that I didn't mention here. How about The Rescuers getting released this week in theaters, Tarzan, Mulan, many other things. But here's a quick rundown of what happened in Disney history this week. Like I said, this segment may change, it may shift. This is just an early stage, but I just wanted to get it out there for all of you D-heads. So with that said, uh, you know, let's get back to the rest of the show. And next time you hear me, I'll continue on with news from the week. Be right back, all of you D-heads, and hope I jarred some memories for you. everybody welcome to the move it shake it celebrated street party everyone's got something to celebrate so we're throwing the ultimate party that celebrates everything but what will you celebrate a birthday an anniversary a family reunion or just a day at the magic kingdom no matter what you're celebrating we're here to celebrate you
on, everybody. Let's celebrate. That's right. Move it, shake it, celebrate it. So I am back again and again and again. <laughs> I'm kind of all scattered throughout the show here this week. Like I said, the D-Team is light. It's light on news and many other things. But like I said, I hope you enjoyed uh, you know, this week in Disney history. Now that's something that is going to be different here at the show. I might not even be the person who does that segment here at the show. It is in the early stages. There's no intros. There's nothing. No format to it. No rhyme or reason but it's something that's going to be on the horizon. Hopefully you enjoyed it. So as we gear up for our special guest here, Ryan Lambert from Kids Incorporated Monster Squad, stopping in here very shortly. I'm going to jump right back into news. Now, I did mention there isn't much news on the horizon, but let's get back into it. And how about Walt Disney's old home? Yes, who doesn't want to live in Walt Disney's past house? And how about the old Disney estate in Holmby Hills selling for $74 million? Yes, this was the site of Disney's last home and is Carrollwood Pacific Railroad, a one-eighth scale functioning railroad that ended up being a huge inspiration for Disneyland. Now, this is on that official location. Now, although the home that is erected there has nothing to do with Walt Disney, this is, uh, you know, fine-line uh, hairlines here of uh, Walt Disney News, but hey, the old Disney estate, Holmby Hills, selling for $74 million. Now, let's get into the parks, and how about Hollywood Studios and Villains and more, and Disney's Villains Unleashed event. Now, everybody loves the Villains Unleashed event at Hollywood Studios. You can meet a variety of different villains, which, come on, let's face it, they make the movies, they're the ones that are memorable, and, you know, you don't really see them at the parks. Now, this is going to be a great, fantastic event, and you can meet some fantastic Disney characters there, including, yes, Maleficent, but how about also Oogie Boogie? And now it is officially confirmed by Disney that Star Wars characters are going to be there as well. Yes, the Disney Parks blog officially reported that it is going to have, taking place Saturday, August 23rd, Villains Unleashed, Star Wars characters. So if you are a Star Wars fan, you can meet Darth Vader, Darth Maul, Boba Fett, yes, the one and only Ventress, Emperor Palpatine, Stormtroopers, Zam Wessel, and Jango Fett. Now they are all added to the Disney Villains Unleashed event that is kicking off on August 23rd. Now you will need a separate hard ticket for this admission, but come on, fantastic. Now you can just meet, you know, Oogie Boogie and the Disney staples and the rarities and now Star Wars characters as well. Fantastic. Now since we are talking about, you know, Disney and the Disney parks, how about Downtown Disney? Now, I'm not going to give you too much, but remember, last week I reported on our kickoff to summer that the food trucks were coming. So remember, this weekend, they are having the food trucks at Downtown Disney. So if you want to get a taste from the parks 
at Downtown Disney, this is your chance because it is Food Truck Weekend. Now pushing right along in the parks, how about Avatar Land? Yes, I still think it's a joke, I am against it, and uh, I will raise my hand really high. I didn't think the movie was great. Um, you know, Smurfy Pocahontas just didn't do it for me. But, how about Avatar 2 news, and writers are now announced, and two other sequels are coming up. Yes, James Cameron's highly successful CGI spectacle, Avatar, will have not one, but three sequels to follow the box office hit. After grossing over $2.7 billion in the box office, it's only right for director James Cameron to churn out a follow-up. And uh, let's just say, I'm sure Disney is on him, since they are building a whole land for his movie. I mean, come on, you got to have something there to make a staple for the land. It's ridiculous. I'm not, I'm not going to get into this. I don't, I don't ever uh, say my personal opinions here. But anyways, they are going to have a variety of different things as writers have been released, and they're going to have a part two, a part three, and a part four. And part two is already in the pre-production stage with animators crafting the characters and environments that are going to last up to the fourth installment. Now, Avatar 2 is set to be released on December of 2016. Now, the writers for the sequels have also been picked as screenwriters Rick Jaffa and Amanda Silver, who wrote the Rise of the Planet of the Apes and Dawn of the Planet of the Apes is set to pen the second installment of the film. I'm not one for Avatar. I'm not even sure about this, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. So, all of you D-heads, with that said, uh, I'm wrapping up news. Yes, like I said, it is a light show here this week. There's not a lot of things on the horizon, not a lot of news, and, uh, you know, I think we did some good job of uh, digging up some news here this week for you and all kinds of fun. So, you know what? Very soon I am going to release the reins to Lexi, our D-team member from Down Under, as she's going to give you a little bit more about our special guest here this week, Mr. Ryan Lambert from Kids Incorporated, Monster Squad, and more. So she's going to be stopping in here soon. But I do want to give a call out to all of you D-heads. If you ever wanted to get involved here at the show, we are looking for you. We're looking for bloggers, writers, on-air segments, people to helm segments. You do not have to have any professional background, just a love of Disney and some dedication to here at the show. So if you are interested in getting involved, being an on-air personality, and many other things, contact us, dizradio at gmail.com. You can also connect up with us right there on our website. Drop us an email right through there because we are looking for all new D-Team members. This is your chance to get on board and uh, join up with us, hang with us, and just have some fun each week here at Diz Radio. So all of you D-Heads, with that said, I'm going to release the reins to Lexi and... Uh, Pay attention to our Facebook pages because we have some special announcements coming very soon with an online 24-hour streaming station around the corner. That's all I'm going to say. So all VDs are going to release the reins, have some fun, and, uh, you know, we got some tidbits locked in here this week and uh, many other things. So be right back, all VD heads. Next time you hear me, I'm going to be here with Ryan. Hi, I'm Gloria from Kids Incorporated with a checklist for Halloween safety. Wear comfortable, well-fitting costumes. Trick or treat with friends, never alone. Carry a flashlight and stay in well-lit areas. Always walk on the sidewalk, never in the street. Oh, and never eat anything unwrapped. And bring home all your candy so that your parents can inspect it before you eat it. If you follow these simple rules, you'll have no tricks with your treats. Is this the 50s? 
Start those projectors and look at this week's Hollywood Walk. Hey, D-Heads. This week's special guest is Mr. Ryan Lambert. We know him from great 80s shows, like The Monster Squad in 1987, Kids Incorporated, and even Freeze Frame. Well, that one was in 1993. <laughs> in case you aren't already aware, The Monster Squad is a comedy horror cult classic, I believe, that is based on a gang of monster movie-obsessed teens that end up waging an epic battle against ghouls that they actually idolised after they learned that characters like Dracula and Frankenstein are actually real. Hmm, now that is definitely one I'm going to have to check out. So, this week's special guest actually played Rudy, the oldest and strongest club member. And in 2007, Ryan even attended the Monster Squad 20th Anniversary DVD release party. Now, for us D-heads, we might recognise Ryan from the 1980s show Kids Incorporated. So Ryan was on this classic Disney Channel show between 1985 through to 1988. The show Kids Incorporated is actually pretty special because there was a musical number or two in every episode. And alongside these musical numbers, the show was also quite relevant to the issues of kids of the time dealing with real-life problems, like bullying, for example. Now, there were also some fun times as well. There were people like Jennifer Love Hewitt and Mario Lopez as part of the team. So Ryan's character often gave advice to the other kids. That's a pretty cool role, I reckon. Now, for some more background information, Ryan was born in Cleveland, Ohio, 
And more recently, he's actually swapped acting for singing. So in 1992, he sang for a group called Loungefly, and he's also fronted the electric rock band Elephone, and he plays guitar as well as singing with the rock band Kill Moi. So it is clear that this week's special guest has a range of talents, from singing, guitar, to acting, and being one of those classic Disney Channel favorites. So thank you, Ryan Lambert. Without you, Disney would definitely not be the same. You know who to call when you have ghosts, but who do you call when you have monsters? We're the Monster Squad. Which squad? It's like Miami Vice, I think. They're young and inexperienced. They're a bit disorganized. Monsters are not real. We don't know that, sir. Two thousand-year-old dead guys do not get up and walk away by themselves. But when strange things start happening in town, there's a monster in my closet. Whoa! Look at that big, scary monster. What's happening? Do I see a werewolf? Silver bullet. They're the only ones ready to do battle. Something's out there that's killing people. It's time for this week's Disney on Demand special guest. All right, all of you D heads, you tuned in for another magical installment of Disney Blues Disney on Demand. And as we continue to bring you all the magic and memories from your lifetime of Disney, many of those are things that you recall from your childhood with movies, television, and more. And you rem may remember great hits like Kids Incorporated on the Disney Channel, as well as fantastic movies like The Monster Squad. And with us here this week is somebody that was involved with both, as well as a musician, singer, and more. We have none other than Ryan Lambert here with us. Welcome to Disney On Demand. Glad to be here. Hi. Oh, it is our pleasure having you on. You know, it took a little bit to, to make it happen, you know, with your busy schedule and whatnot. But, you know, going back into, you know, Kids Incorporated days, all the way back to 1985, the Monster Squad, so many different things. I guess I'll just start it off like I do with many people. And uh, what led you down the road of music and acting and all that kind of fun stuff? Uh, let's see. I, uh... I started out in musical comedy theater, like when I was around 10 years old, sort of singing, dancing on stage in like local productions, things like that around Los Angeles. Um, I was actually involved with a troupe called Bill Edwards Onstage Kids. And Bill Edwards is sort of like a, it's like an old 
vaudevillian type actor, performer guy, a lot of George M. Cohen, a lot of Broadway stuff. And uh, he sort of, like, taught me and paved the way for, like, what it was to be a performer in general, just whether it was an actor or a singer or anything. And he kind of taught me taught me my ways um, and before I went on and, and did it professionally. So I uh, eventually started auditioning for uh, a few things in Hollywood, and uh, I think it was the second thing that I auditioned for was Kids Incorporated. And uh, after a uh, sort of long road, <laughs> I got the part. And that was sort of my first big my, my first big break there. Well, you know, and that kind of show, too, you know, went on to, you know, it's in many people's memories, you know. And you came on the show back in, you know, season two, 1985, and it ran all the way through 1988. And um, there's many shows that have copied that format, you know, uh, pretty much all over many channels since then. Now, with that show and starting off and, you know, playing yourself on that show, I guess what was your favorite aspect looking back as to, uh, I guess, the lore? Was it the music? Was it the, you know, the style of the show was slightly different? You know, it was a live-action show with kids? Or I guess what really lured you to Kids Incorporated? I think a lot of people compared it to, like, something like the Mickey Mouse Club, which it was sort of trying to emulate, I guess, a little bit in terms of, like, being a children's show with, children acting and singing and um, we didn't really do skits the way they did. We actually, what I liked about the show was it had a uh, a full storyline within each episode and within each line, you know, there was, there was always like a moral of the story. Um, so one of our characters sort of like went through a process and learned something by the end of the episode. And I always thought that was a very nice aspect of the show, and I, I always hear that from, from various fans, that they sort of appreciated that, like, oh, I, you know, I learned about this from, from you guys, or, you know, I, you, you guys saved me from something that I was going through at the time, and I just thought that that was a, there was a touching aspect to the show. It was, you know, there was music, and it was fun, and there was a lot of color, and but I think in the end, I think one of the greatest aspects of the show was that it was, that it had meaning. There was something behind what, what, what they were trying to do with the show. Definitely. You know, and like you said, it always had that story arc. You know, it was always full of music and fun and, um, you know, great rounded cast. And like you said, it always had that story arc, something that, you know, every I guess you could put it as every kid could relate to. And, you know, I guess looking back at all those, is there any, uh, I guess, one episode or, uh, you know, one uh, show that you did that just sticks in your mind, whether that was things that happened off camera, on camera? Is there just one that when you look back at that show, you know, back to those recesses of your uh, young young childhood, uh, you know, uh, that one that really just sticks out for you? I think there was one early on. Maybe it was the first season or second season. I was still, like, you know, figuring out what I was particularly doing in this world because I kind of <laughs> just got thrust into it. Um, really didn't know anything about the craft of, like, being on a TV show. I mean, I had been on stage, but um, and I had sang numer 
it in numerous different projects and things. But um, there was one episode where um, I fell in love with a girl who was in town, and she turned out to be blind. And my character sort of pushed away from that. And he kind of had a freak out about it. And it took the rest of the gang to sort of reel me in and, and make me realize that I was being silly and that this was a human being and she had feelings and, yes, she had this handicap, but that didn't necessarily uh, disrupt her love of, of music in general. And uh, I think by the end of filming that episode, it sort of hit me really hard because maybe I was kind of going through that same sort of emotion as a, as a child. Like, I didn't realize that, you know, things can be different with other people, but they can also be the same. And that was one of the first episodes, I think, where I felt like the songs sort of reflected the story itself. Because sometimes the songs could go off on a tangent and just be a song in the show. And I think a lot of those songs in that episode really reflected what we were trying to say in that episode. And uh, I think it affected me, even to this day. And I actually have uh, I recently reconnected with the actress that played the blind girl. And uh, it's interesting how, like, you know, life kind of moves on and people go in different directions and how you can talk years later and figure things out and be different people. Definitely. You know, and that's the kind of thing, like you said, where, you know, you kind of grow as a person and also, you know, reconnecting with this actress as well. You know, like you said, you kind of grow and, you know, move on. And, you know, the entire cast, you know, I'm sure many people, you know, everybody knows that, you know, many of the cast have gone on to, you know, pursue music careers and whatnot. You know, you have uh, Stacy and Renee and, uh, you know, I mean, everybody, including yourself, have gone on to do music careers. And uh, I guess with the music aspect of it, um, is that something that you really enjoyed, you know, doing Kids Incorporated? Because many people are like, oh, it was a show. It was a show. But really, you guys really were musical. Um, you know, overall, you guys really were musical. You were singing and, and dancing and whatnot as well, correct? None of us would have been there in the slightest if we didn't know what we were doing musically. Um, especially um, Martika, Rasan, Renee, and Stacy. I mean, those four are probably still to this day four of my favorite singers ever, just singing-wise. They just always blew me away every week. I kind of felt like a little bit of an outsider. I wasn't that great of a singer. I think they kind of brought me in to like be more of like the actor cool guy or something. Um, they needed a person to sing the Bruce Springsteen songs or something. <laughs> but those guys just blew me away every week. Um, there's God, there's so many stories. I listening to Stacy sing "Middle of the Road" by The Pretenders is. I will still listen to that to this day. Um, listening to Rasan sing "Every Breath You Take" in a completely different way than the Police did it um, drives me insane. The, the talent that, that that they found, at least while I was there, um, probably was unprecedented at the time. I mean, I don't know of any child singer that has ever been able to sing like Rasan, except maybe Michael Jackson. Well, you know, and like you said, you know, you were all there for a purpose, and 
everybody really did, you know, hit the notes. And like I said, went on to pursue musical careers. And I guess looking back now and, you know, Kids Incorporated was played in reruns for many, many years. Um, did you ever think that it would have such a cult fan following, especially now with the Internet and, you know, everybody, you know, posting on YouTube and, you know, great retro sites. Did you ever think that it would be so big as it is now with such a cult fan following? Well, it's funny because I, I feel at the time there was a huge following of that. I, I think in this day and age it would have been, like, through the roof. It probably would have been, like, out of this world, way more popular than, than it was then. But at the time, we were syndicated. Um, you know, maybe there weren't as many televisions, in, and obviously there weren't computers. But there was, I, I did feel it, because we did go out a lot and, and would play live and make personal appearances. And tons of people would show up. We got a lot of fan letters. We were in magazines. So I did feel that there was some sort of phenomenon happening with that show. I mean, nowadays it would have been through the roof for sure. Um, yeah, these days, especially amongst my friends who didn't know that I did that, or some people find out that I did that, um, and they just, their minds are blown. And then, of course, all the YouTube videos come out, and everyone wants to watch them with me in the room, and, you know, <laughs> make make fun of me at the same time celebrating it. So it, it is something, it, it is something special that, you know, not a lot of things of that era or before, you know, can touch on definitely you know and you know it does have like you said it has that it has that staple in time you know being an 80s classic and you know i guess with that being 80s classics it's going to lead me to monster squad which is another thing that you know you've been a part of and you know recently releasing its 20th anniversary and many other things with the monster squad you know just a couple of years ago it's just uh it's a fantastic film it has a cult following as itself you know just because it was kind of the first movie where it had, you know, kids going out and chasing these monsters. It was comedy, yet dark and fun. Uh, I guess uh, with Monster Squad and, you know, looking back at that, how did you land that gig? Now I have to change from my Kids Inc. voice to my Monster Squad voice. <laughs> um, you know, that was actually just a random audition. That was a typical, I'm, an, I'm a child actor, I have an agent. We're going to send you out on all these parts. I had already done a few other guest spots on things and here and there. And um, I kind of just read that script, which was probably one of the, to this day, one of the greatest scripts I've ever read. Um, it was funny. It, it was a story. You can feel it. It wasn't just like lines and action. There was actually like a, it, it was like reading a novel. Um, Shane Black is obviously one of the greatest screenwriters of all time, and, and it really showed. So when I read that, and I read the character, even the first time I read the description of the character, I'm, I just said, I know exactly who this person is. I know what he looks like. I know how to talk like him. I know what they want. And the thing that I did was I walked in with a leather jacket on, and I sat with Fred, the director, and Shane, and they asked me 
some questions, and they asked me if I was ready. And I said, sure. And then I saw Shane had a pack of marbles in his pocket. And I said, can I bum one of those off you? <laughs> and he said, I guess. And he kind of turned to Fred, and they said, well, the kid smokes in the movie, so give him a cigarette. <laughs> and so I lit up a cigarette. I didn't. I had smoked a little bit before that, just being like a little badass kid, whatever. But, uh, yeah, I just kind of jumped right into the character, and I think that might have been it. You know? When, when, if you, if you really watch the movie, if you take away the clothes and the cigarettes, the character's kind of funny. He's actually a funny person. He's not that cool. He looks cool because he thinks he's cool. And there's a there's a legend around the character, whether he killed his dad or, you know, everyone has like a myth about who this little teenage kid was. But the truth of the matter is, he's probably just a lonely guy. Who knows? But you put him in a leather jacket, you put a cigarette in his mouth, and he becomes cool. And I thought about that when I was a kid. Like, I kind of knew that was supposed to happen. He He wasn't... He didn't think he was that cool. He might have just had to act that way to live up to some legend or something. Definitely. You know, and that, like you said, that's the kind of thing where, you know, you really fell into the role. You dissected the character and you kind of knew exactly what they were looking for. And with that film, I mean, Monster Squad has gone on to, you know, be passed down to generations. I mean, I've shown it to my kids now and they just love the film. And it really does, you know, it holds up on Blu-ray and DVD and I guess when you were filming it, did anything happen like offset or while filming that's just, uh, I guess, while you were bonding with the rest of the, you know, the cast and the crew and things like that, that, uh, you know, just really lives in your mind forever? Something that you, you, none of us are going to see on screen, but it's something that uh, definitely sticks with you. There was a few things that I could think of that um, we were pretty close. Um, Andre and I would uh, practice bow and arrow in his backyard. He was really into archery. So when he knew that I was supposed to uh, do the bow and arrow in the film, he sort of took me under his wing and took me into his backyard at his home, and we kind of shot archery in his, in his backyard. That's kind of where I learned how to do that. Even though the film crew, uh, you know, gave me regular lessons I think it was more Andre that taught me how to shoot the bow and arrow. And we became really close. To this day, we're friends. Um, the other thing was um, we weren't allowed to interact with any of the monsters ever unless we were on set working with them. We weren't allowed to talk to them. They didn't want to talk to us. Um, they would stay in their trailers or they would be in makeup and we would be completely separated until it was time to work. Um, one of the scenes in the clubhouse when Frankenstein's monster is with us in the clubhouse um, and we're all sort of analyzing him and figuring out what we're doing, they needed to do an over-the-shoulder shot of him from my shoulder. And they didn't need any of the, of the other cast. So it was me and Tom Noonan sitting in this very cramped space on a studio lot of the set 
of the clubhouse. And because I was older than all the other kids, I kind of thought maybe I could talk to him as an actor, quote unquote, <laughs> and say, hey man, you know, I saw you in Manhunter. I think you're awesome. You're a great actor. This is great working with you. This is fun, whatever. Because there was nothing. We were just staring at each other while everybody was lighting and they were trying to figure out what the dog was going to do and Fred was trying to figure out what kind of shots they were going to, you know, what angles they were going for. And he just stared at me. (laughs) And he wouldn't say anything except grunt and moan. And at the time, I was like, this guy's mean. (laughs) I don't want to use profanity. I don't want to use profanity, actually, what I was thinking in my head. But I was like, man, the hell? (laughs) But, you know, now, or at least later on as well, I realized that he was staying in character, obviously. He didn't want to break the illusion to me of who he actually was behind the makeup. He wanted to stay true to being that monster. And that was maybe the first time I ever worked with, like, a true, true actor. That meant a lot to me. Well, you know, and and it's things like that, too, where, you know, you look back, and like you said, he didn't want to break character. He didn't want to break the illusion. And we, you know, we hear about many of the greats where they do that all the time, where they're always in character, and they stay in character. Um, you know, and it really did, you know, definitely. Hey, you, Dan, know, and you hear about Daniel Day-Lewis as Abraham Lincoln. He's like, even walked around town as Abraham Lincoln. It's like, that, that takes <laughs> a lot of dedication. I mean, I know that he was in, like, Frankenstein makeup, Frankenstein monster makeup, but, you know, there's still something in the eyes. There's something behind that, that he tried to keep that illusion going. For me, it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily for him. It was, it was for me. It was so that I didn't think of him as anything other than what he was trying to do. But actually, I was kind of doing the same thing by trying to be the cool guy talking to him. You know, like, hey, man, what's up? What's going on? Yeah, you're Frank Seth Monster, whatever. So, like, you know, it was a, it was a nice camaraderie. And, and you know, years later, I, I saw him not that long ago. And I walked up to him and I kind of told him that story. And he kind of just brushed me off. <laughs> he said, yeah, 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 whatever, kid. I'm like, <laughs> not so much a kid anymore, but... Well, I guess you can look at it as he, he's still staying in character. Well, forever. Again, well, forever. Well, well, Monster Squad did go on for, you know, it, it is a cult classic. And, you know, that's going to lead us to many other things that you've done. I mean, you know, you're a musician and many other things, too. So I guess what are you currently working on where people are going to be able to see you out and about and, you know, current projects and, you know, current things you're doing? Well, okay. Um, I have a few things going on. Um, I took a hiatus from acting forever. <laughs> As probably anybody knows that's been following anything that I've ever done. Um, I, after Monster Squad, I did a few other things and kind of decided that music was where I wanted to be. Um, obviously, Kids Incorporated started my love of that performing professionally. And I kind of felt like, you know, and I was still 17, you know, I, I was like, I kind of was on the rock star path. I didn't know I was on the actor path. 
because I, I got Kids Incorporated because I wanted to sing. I wanted to be on stage. I wanted to be an act. I wanted to be a musician. Acting sort of fell into my lap by being on TV and having to get an agent and going out on other parts. So I kind of made a conscious decision that I wanted to be a musician. That's what I wanted to do. So I kind of studied music. I started a couple punk bands. Um, I've basically been in bands ever since then. Um, I live in San Francisco now. Um, I was in a band for seven years here, and then I was in another band for another five years. And now I'm sort of starting another band. I don't know what it's called yet, so I can't really get out there and say that. Um, I don't know where that's going, but I am I'm writing a new album right now. Um, if anybody wants to hear the other bands, one was called Elephone, and then one was called Kill Moi. Those are the two bands that I've been in in San Francisco. Um, I was in a band in L.A. called Loungefly. I don't know if you can find any of that online. <laughs> I have not looked. Um, that was moons ago before the Internet. Um, I'm also, what I'm really proud of right now is that I've written a pilot for a TV show. And I'm working on getting that made right now. And that's sort of about my time working as like a, you know, like a working stiff. Because I've obviously in this time of trying to get by as, as a musician, I've had to have odd jobs, which was kind of a weird path for me to take, thinking that I was going to move on to bigger and greater things after Monster Squad and various other things I did. So I've sort of had to have these very weird jobs. And one of them was working at a private school here in San Francisco and working with a bunch of children as a musician at night and by day a, an administrator at a school. So it's kind of kind of a funny tale, like kind of like a Louis type show, maybe like a Jeff Jeffries type thing, like legit, or, you know, maybe like a bitter older man trying to figure out what's going on in his life, still in a band, working an everyday job, that kind of thing. So, like, by day, he kind of deals with children, he's kind of, kind of talks to them in like a, a non-children way. <laughs> Maybe he's maybe he shouldn't be where he's supposed to be. Yeah, and then at night he kind of goes out and does his musician thing. So it, it's sort of self. It's a little autobiographical, but um, so I'm talking to a few people about getting that made and doing a pilot and, and seeing where that goes. Like you said, you know, it's you seem very busy. You know, working on a pilot, and you know, like you said, auto. You know, it's autobiographical, but at the same time. That's the kind of thing where you can add the little nuggets and the the little cheese to it and the the fun little story arcs and things that just make a nice thirty minute sitcom kind of you know comedy fun kind of show. I mean, I don't know if that's the direction you're going for, but yeah, for have. sure. I kind of want to make fun of the whole. Thing. But you know, you can imagine being on a show like Kids Incorporated and then growing up and trying to be in a 
a really serious indie rock band. I mean, we weren't going for, like, grandiose arena-type band, but I wanted to be in Sonic Youth. I wanted to be in, you know, cool bands. That's kind of what we were going for. And so there was a there was a sadness for me growing up in my 20s and maybe, like, early to mid-30s. Like, am I ever going to get past that, you know, child actor, kids incorporated thing? People are always going to find out about it. And are they going to take me seriously? And I eventually kind of had to let that go and just say, you're going to have to let whatever the work that you do now speak for itself. And when I started writing this pilot, I thought, well, let's just make fun of that. Let's just embrace all of that and kind of poke fun at it and turn it on its ear and, like, see what happens. Definitely. You know, and that's the kind of thing, too, like you said, you have to let it go, you know, and, you know, and it's another thing, too, to embrace it all. You know, I mean, you know, there's always going to be fans out there finding Kins Incorporated, Monster Squad. But at the same time, you know, music that you're doing now and, you know, this pilot and many other things, you know, it's the kind of thing where that that work is going to speak for itself as well. And, you know, it seems like you have so many different things going on and so much stuff in the works. I guess if anybody is looking for you online, um, you know, until that pilot gets uh, gets made and aired, uh, you know, that kind of thing. Is there anywhere where anybody can find you, any websites or online or should they just, you know, head on over to IMDb or Wikipedia? No, I'm totally hiding. <laughs> now there's, um, you know, you can just probably Google "kill moi." That's probably your best bet right now, is to to see what what that what that band is doing or what was doing what they what we were doing with that. And then, um, you know, as soon as things go up for me with new things that I'm doing musically, I will throw that out there and people will find it. Um, I like I like people to discover things, you know, they don't need to like go searching through Kids Inc. to Monster Squad to link to that and find it. It'd be nice if, you know, things just spoke for themselves. But the yeah, funny thing is, is like the funny thing is is like I've done you know, since Monster Squad has become such a new cult classic, um, they've asked us to come to various conventions and and Comic-Con and things like that. And especially being a Comic-Con was such a a whirlwind. I, I couldn't believe it because I'm sort of a geek myself in that regard. I love that stuff. I, I've been to Comic-Con like, you know, four times before I even got invited to go as a guest. So just being there as a guest and sitting there and signing DVDs for people and just seeing the line, like, going around the block and then doing a panel discussion where thousands of people show up was unbelievable to me. And But one of the main things that kind of blew me away personally was that I was sitting there and signing Monster Squad poster after Monster Squad poster from every country known to man and the new DVDs and old VHS copies and, um, you know, pictures from Teen Beat magazine and, you know, loving every minute of it and being very grateful for the whole thing. And then this couple came up and they brought two of my CDs from my band 
nothing else. No Monster Squad stuff. No Kids Inc. stuff. Nothing. And they just said, we love your band. We're here because we love your music. And I just, that just really got to me. I was like, thank you. That's just so amazing to hear. And I took pictures of them and I signed the, the CDs and I said, if you send them to me, I'll have the rest of the band sign them if you want. And they did that and I sent them back and I don't know, that meant a lot to me. It kind of felt like other people were embracing other aspects of my life besides those two iconic things that I hold very dear to my heart forever. But, you know, time moves on and there's other things in the works. Definitely. you And like you said, you know, being at something like that, you know, like Comic-Con, signing everything, and then, you know, bringing your other music and things that you've done in your career, you know, that truly has to be gratifying that it has come full circle and people do take notice. And, um, you know, it is that kind of thing, like you said, where, it, you know, you truly do feel appreciated. And, you know, with that said, um, for all your fans out there of your music, your bands, you know, whether that's uh, Kids Incorporated, Monster Squad, um, you know, Killmoy, I mean, anything at all. Um, you know, is there anything you want to leave out there as a lasting word from Ryan to all your fans? <laughs> um, no pressure. I will, <laughs> right? I will say this, you know, it's, it, it's as corny as you can be, but you have to follow your heart. You have to follow your dreams. You have to do what you want to do in this life. It, it doesn't take much. It really just takes a thought. And you have to just push yourself. If you, it doesn't matter what it is. And it doesn't have to be anything that has to do with entertainment. It just has to be what you want. Don't let anyone ever tell you that you can't do anything. Because there's nothing that anyone can't do. It's as easy as that. And everybody needs to read more. <laughs> Not on the internet. <laughs> well, I couldn't agree with that more than anything, especially as a father. You know, I'm always pushing reading on my kids. But, you know, Ryan, it was our pleasure having you stop in, you know, go down memory lane, all your new projects in the works. And, you know, good luck on getting that pilot on the air. And, you know, it is our pleasure having you stop in. And definitely when things get rolling for you, we'd love to have you back. Oh, for sure, man. My pleasure. Everybody look around. Here's a sound. Envelope to Davis and Kirk. Write down that. I am so hungry I can eat. A computer! Well, I was thinking more in terms of hamburger. Wow, this is a beauty. Oh, cool. Kids Incorporated, meet my synthesized audiovisual music computer. 
Sam for sure. Guys, I am very excited about this baby. So O'Reilly, what can Sam do? Well, Sam is programmed to play thousands of pieces of great music. Yeah, just like us. Plus, Sam can also generate video images at the same time. Gee, just like Matt's bedroom. That's headroom, Stacy. Hey, you guys want to see a demonstration? Yeah, yeah, yeah well, I'm Probably just a loose screw. Hold on, wait, check out this video image. Looks sort of like George Washington. That's not too terribly hip, Riley. Yeah, all right, all right, all right. Have a little faith. Sam will be back on his feet, I hope. Yeah, it's probably just a loose transformer. Yeah, the transformer, right. I knew that. There. Hi, this is Tom McLaughlin. Maybe you know me as Captain Star. Maybe you know me as the writer-director of Jason Lives, Friday the 13th, Part 6. Or maybe you know me as the lead singer of the rock and roll band, The Sloths. But if you want to know even more, stay tuned for something special on Disney On Demand. I can't believe it. It's Disney Blues, Disney On Demand. You hear that? It's the winds of change. Here's your host, Jonathan Johnson. All right, D-Heads, I am back once again, and I want to extend a very special thank you once again for Ryan Lambert for stopping in here at the show. You have a lot of great things on the horizon, and I, for one, am excited about your pilot getting made. I would tune into that sitcom. I'm, I'm just saying, I would. I think it'd be funny, quirky, and just... uh. It'd be good for some Saturday night or Friday night TV. So thank you, Ryan, once again for stopping in and sharing all those magic and memories from your career and more. We're going to keep an eye on the lookout for all of your future projects. Thanks once again. I'd also like to thank the D-Team for stopping in. Even though we had a light crew here this week, I want to extend that thank you once again to the D-Team of Aaron and Lexi for taking that time out of their schedule and stopping in and adding that bit of magic for all of you D-Heads. Without them, you'd have to listen to me ramble all show long. So remember to connect up with the D-Team on our official website where you can drop them a line, ask those questions, and more. Thank you, Aaron and Lexi, for stopping in here this week. And most of all, thank you, the D-Heads. Without you, there would be no show. You are the reason we continue to bring all these magic and memories to all of you every single week. You're the reason that we come back and bring all that something special, that something magical to help you relive your magical world, your magical memories, all the things from your lifetime of Disney. So thank you for tuning in. So all VD heads, with all that said, before I let you go, I do want to give you all the different ways you can stay connected here at the show. And first and foremost, you can always visit our official website at DizRadio.com. That's D-I-Z Radio.com. There you can find our full list of past shows, the complete archives, and more right there on our official website at DizRadio.com. D-I-Z Radio.com. You can also connect up with us all over the social media outlets on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Disney On Demand. You can friend us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Disney Blue, and that's B-L-U. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and more. Just search Disney Blue, B-L-U, or Diz Radio, D-I-Z Radio. And remember, you can always connect up with us and get the latest shows on Stitcher Radio or iTunes. Just search Diz Radio. And remember, if you leave feedback for us, you will get a shout-out here on the show. So, all of you D-heads, with that said, next week we're going to continue our trek into summer. 
for show number 78. And I'm not going to tell you who it is. I'm just going to give you a hint. Go through your entire plethora of Disney television, movies, you name it. And just think bacon before bacon was trendy. That's all I'm going to say. So all of you D-heads, with that said, I'm going to let you go. And as summer gets busy, as it gets crazy, just remember, take that time, slow down, and never neglect family for business. Until next week, all of you D-heads, I'll catch you online.
thank you for tuning in to Disney Blues, Disney On Demand. The content and thoughts expressed are those of the show and not the Disney company. Now go on and relive the magic, memories, and appreciation from your lifetime of Disney. See you real soon.